0: happy friday it's time for the richard skipper friday wrap-up show who and what are you celebrating today richard skipper believes every day is worth celebrating but today we wrap up the week with a dose of positivity you never know who might show up or what might happen so get ready your skipper is now coming on board and we are ready to set sail all aboard
1: Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. It's our Friday wrap-up show. Who or what are you celebrating today? What is it that you're wrapping up as this week ends? Uh, I believe in tying everything up with a nice, big, pretty bow and moving on so we can celebrate the weeks that are coming up ahead. But today I am celebrating uh, hopefully five wonderful women. I say, uh, hopefully, because four of them are here and I'm waiting for one to arrive. I think she's having a little issue logging on. So Barbara, if you're watching, I hope that you can make it on. So what I do on my Friday wrap-up show is I ask uh, one of our uh, viewers to pick a number Uh, based on the number of people that we have waiting in the wings. So, uh, ladies, I hope that you all are waiting to come on. And I am going to bring on the first guest based on the number that Alan picked, and that's my dear friend Peggy Miley. You're our first guest today, Peggy.
2: Hey, wonderful, wonderful. How are you, Skipper? Oh, my God,
1: I'm doing great. So, first of all, today is Serendipity Day. And I think about the serendipity, the serendipitous moments in our lives. And one of the most incredible serendipitous moments of my life was standing at an audition uh, just a few years ago uh, and meeting you.
2: Yes. And I remember meeting this wonderful, vivacious young man who said, just call me Skipper. And he was wonderful. And we ran into each other several times over that time until one day I happened to go to the village to meet some friends for dinner at one of those places in the village where you go down the stairs and there's a piano player. Now, I can't remember if it was eighty eight or the one that was across the street. I don't remember the I'll name. tell you what it was. It was the Five Oaks. That's what it was. That's what it was. I couldn't think of that. And here was this wonderful person on stage. It was Carol Channing. And (laughs) Hello Dolly. And I wandered in. And as this singer said, Hello Dolly, he changed the words a little to, Hello Peggy, it's me, Skipper. And it was the first time I had seen him perform. Oh God, he was wonderful. And of course, we've remained friends. Not necessarily seeing each other very much, but that's got to be mm-hmm, uh, quite a few years ago It was in the early 80s whenever you, hear you <laughs> just come up from the south to live in new york if i'm not I had
1: just moved to new york and you know there i was performing as carol channing in the village but i want to talk about you um and you know and you uh, Made the move to go to the West Coast. And you, you know, I call you the queen of, uh, you are a true journeyman actress. Uh, I see you on commercials and television shows. Uh, I will. Uh, I remember seeing Alice, the Woody Allen film. And when you made that appearance in the film, I screamed out loud in the theater, they thought that I was having a heart attack. I was just so happy to see you on that screen. And I, of course, I've seen you on screen so many times since then. Um, I wanna ask you, because since you are a journeyman actress, and I hope you don't mind me using that word, um, But we are in this crazy strike that we're in the middle of right now, Um, but with with writers and uh, with actors and actresses. And a lot of people don't realize what it is like for someone such as yourself who goes from job to job to job. Can you talk a little bit about the impact of how what this is doing in terms of your life right now? Uh, Is it affecting your life at all?
2: Well, I'm very blessed and then I've been around a while so that I usually have some project that I'm working on, but I would never, ever, please don't misunderstand me. I learned something wonderful. I trained in New York doing Off-Broadway. And you know the first thing you're told there as an actress? Your job is to serve the play. In Hollywood, they tend to say, let's see what I can do with this part to make it me. But not in New York. you' learned to, we don't exist without the writers, as far as I'm concerned. Now I've done a little writing. I've actually done a one woman show uh, called Irish Bread and Tea about my life in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did it in LA and then in New York, and I enjoyed the writing and but it's hard. So I certainly appreciate it. And as an actress, I was on the board of directors at Screen Actors Guild from 1999 to 2005. And I know how hard it is for all of us. I've been more blessed because now I'm, a, a, shall we say, a woman of a certain age. And therefore, I am comfortable enough to know that I, I'll eat every night. Last night, I added ate at a pa- place called Patty's in... Um, Maybe they call it Pades. I'm not sure how they pronounce it. P-A-T-Y in mm-hmm. Toluca Lake because they advertised a meal for actors at a special price. Wow. And I didn't show my union card. What I did is go and get a good full meal that they could then add to their list. Isn't that wonderful? There is an attempt. We must never forget how important unions are. And yes, every strike is very difficult. And on in L.A., this is a mining town, except the product is film. Mm-hmm. And as a result, everybody suffers, even if the guy who cleans clothes, the, the costumes for the thing, or you're, you're the janitorial, janitorial staff in uh, on one of the the studios, uh, studio lots. You're still part of it all. But to me, I do a vlog, and it started last year on Labor Day, because the vlog... Is called Tea with Peggy. It's starting again this Labor Day weekend. T uh, E A, tea, T-E-A, meaning a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Peggy. It's on um, uh, YouTube, so you'll be able to see it if you'd like. I have a lot of opinions on a lot of things because I feel at this point in my life I have something that the younger people can't buy and can't get in school, and it's called experience. Amen.
1: Amen to that.
2: I- uh- Other people on this thing that I know are exactly right now. I'm working on a project that I'm really excited about that will not happen until the strikes are over, but we are doing a fundraiser and you need to know that on seed and spark, or is it spark and seed? I think it's seed and spark. Um, anyway, it's one of those things where we try to get money to get our, our uh, pilot up. It's about mm, seniors who get scammed. And the vengeance that has gotten. <laughs> <laughs> I love it already. So you so you have to know that. And I'm also, I'm with Mocha Jane on Curb Your Enthusiasm recently. Yes. And I met wonderful young people. That's the secret to staying uh, active. Know lots of wonderful young people with hope. That's the most important ingredient out here. Uh, out in, in any of our businesses, aspect of life, um, and these people are doing this Bad Alice project that I'm telling you about, and it's called Bad Alice, and it's Seed and Spark, and um, let's see, what was I telling you about that? Oh, I was Mocha Jane on Curb Your Enthusiasm, and I'm Mrs. Driscoll in the uh, third season of Dangerous Things, uh, not Dangerous Things, Stranger Things. Stranger where- Things. He and those photographs are quite something else. I will say that, Peggy. I, I mean, how long, how long does it take you to be in makeup on Stranger Things? Very strange thing, because I have to tell you, when they came in to do it, they said, "Can we take pictures?" And I said, "Sure." Where should I stand? In the you know, I was in the trailer, and they said, uh, "No, no, just keep doing what you're doing." And I'm sitting there reading, and suddenly there's a camera right up, and I said. Exactly, what are you doing? And he said, Well, we have to have pictures so we know where the blood vessels will burst. So I said, I hope this is all digital. And they said, Yeah, they didn't get what I was implying. But anyway, they did a wonderful job and it took a long time. But they are the Duffer brothers are the next Spielberg. So, I mean, no.
1: I want to bring on our next guest. Uh, so, uh, but
2: no, 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 no. Stick around because
1: uh, we're going to talk some more. But before we bring on our first uh, guest, uh, our next guest, um, I have five mystery questions laid out. I do this every Friday. So pick a number one through five and we'll see where this takes us. Three. And the question is... Whatever room I walk into, I change the atmosphere in a positive way. I think that's true of you, Peggy. Do
2: you believe that for yourself? I hope so. That would be a goal of mine. I'm not sure I do. Uh, I'm sure that sometimes I change the atmosphere. I'm very political. And therefore, I may not always choose something that helps everybody. But my shirt that says, ban books... Uh, Banned guns, not books. Uh, I make sure that I wear that very strongly and proudly when I step into many rooms. Good. I, I'm proud of you for that. So I'm going to bring on our next guest. She
1: did make it here. Uh, she is going to be in New York next week because she's going to be making her York theater debut. I'm so proud of her. Uh Barbara Mikas has been on the show uh, a few times, but she's back today, and we're going to be talking about her upcoming show because she has an audition this afternoon. Barbara, you made it!
3: I did. <laughs> and Peggy, I am such a fan of yours, and I think you light up the room no matter what room you go to, even uh-huh. bathrooms. So there. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much. I <laughs> wish I were <would> New <laughs> York do your show. Uh, the show is, I, I cannot wait to see your show. Uh, I saw an earlier incarnation, and I know that it's changed. And you have made it specific yes. to, uh, it's part of the Mufti series uh, that's mm-hmm. being done at the York Theater here in New York. Um, tell us a little bit about what you are hoping audiences are now going to walk away with the sh- from the show that is in addition to what was there already in place when I saw it the last time.
3: Okay, um, thank you for asking. I'm excited about doing the show for many reasons. Uh, first of all, like having Richard Skipper as a dear friend, it means the world to me. And also Jim Morgan who runs the uh, York Theater has also been a wonderful supportive friend as far as my writing about myself. And he, he made some very strong suggestions upon, with my musical journey and uh, one of them is that my show should be a positive title, not a negative. So I changed I'm Not Famous to 18 Minutes of Fame, thanks to, not because he thought of that title, I did, but thanks to his suggestion. And so when he told me that he was doing a, a show about Oscar Brand, uh, a Mufti show, Oscar Brand was a wonderful folk writer, and he he did a lot of... of um, television and film and, and uh, off camera type things. And (laughs) excuse me. So he wrote wrong, it went down the wrong pipe. He wrote um, the music for the Broadway musical that I started called the education of Hyman Kaplan. He wrote the music with uh, Paul Nassau. And they were very, very special to me. It was my first show. I was so young. George Abbott directed. I mean, it was wow. quite an experience. So when um when I found out that Jim was going to be doing Oscar, Oscar's failed show, How to Succe- How to Steal an Election, I suggested that I would like to rewrite my show to incorporate more stories about Oscar Brand, working with him and with George Abbott together, because it was quite an experience. And he loved the idea and he said, yes, will you do it when we do um, How to Steal an Election? And I said, absolutely. And his life would have it, originally I was supposed to do five shows and I'm getting to the answer, Richard, question. No, but sure. my musical director wasn't available, uh, until the end of September, uh, end of August, we're doing two shows, August 28th and August 29th. And I rewrote the show to incorporate these stories. So a lot of the show is about Oscar Brand's involvement and my involvement with him in uh, uh, the education of Hyman Kaplan. And this is a first for me. I hope, I hope that it's as good as I think it is. Um, the beginning of the show is the same that you saw, but then it changes. And I'm very thrilled. I'm very excited. I have my tickets. I oh, can't wait. I'm we worked that out for you. No, I'm so
1: glad. I, I want to ask you, Barbara, because I mean, this is a business where I believe that whatever fame is, I think it's an individual thing and what it means for each person. I went to see an incredible show the other night, which Barbara, if it comes to LA, you have to see it, especially with the show that you're doing. I went to see the Gutenberg Bible the other night, which is about Steve Gutenberg. It's not about the Gutenberg Bible, folks. It's based on his autobiography. He has three actors in the show. I was thrilled to see a friend of mine. One of the actors couldn't go on, and a friend of mine was the understudy, and that's always a thrill. Um, But These three actors played all the people in his life. He literally lied his way into Hollywood. Uh, He uh, got an old uh, card and would go and punch in to get through the gates of uh, Paramount each day. And he actually got someone to put a desk and a chair up. And he had his own office at Paramount. This 17-year-old kid. And then little by little, roles started to come to his way. And then after a 20-year, highly successful career, the phone stopped ringing because the regime in Hollywood had changed. Uh, The people that were hiring him were no longer interested in him. Mm -hmm. Um, And it gives a real great commentary on what fame in this business is like. And he talked about the things that truly matter to him. And I know you well enough, Barbara, to know the things that truly matter the most in your life. Arnie, your wonderful husband, your grandchildren, your children, you are lucky to have that uh, body around you. But what does fame mean to you at this point in your life?
3: You know, it, I, think, uh, I think that Peggy will agree with me on this, and probably you too, Richard. I don't think it's about fame anymore. It's about enjoyment. Of life, making each day as long as we're as healthy as we can be, mm-hmm. special, meaningful, grateful to God or good if you want to add an extra O uh, to, for the life for the life He's given me and others that I know, and and not uh, a be a Debbie Downer. Uh, about maybe that it's not the same as it used to be. You know, I long learned that the unconscious does not know if you're performing on Broadway or at a senior citizen home. It's the joy of giving, what you can give. And I'm very fortunate that, and I don't want to give it away, that I can give more than just singing and acting and having fun i I found another way and I, i never expected to find another way but i did god and again i'm very spiritual in the fact that i believe that there is an outer force that if we believe in it will lead us and we don't have to be negative we don't have to look at the past the past is the past today well lived is what we have and and that is very very important. So I look at fame as just something that I used to have, and now I've got something else.
1: Well, you still got fame in my book. So there are four questions, uh, Barbara, laid out. So pick a number one through four, and we're going to bring on our next guest. Okay, I'm going to pick four. And uh, the. Um, Uh, maybe you've told me this before. I don't know, but I'm going to find out today. What do you think... uh, Actually, I'm going to turn this around because I want to make this a positive. What is your best habit when it comes to your art and your creativity?
3: Listening to other people, listening to their advice, listening to their comments and not being stuck on that I have to do it the way I want to do it. Wonderful. I think that that... And to be open, you know, I just finished my last rehearsal with my my wonderful director from LA, who's also coming with me, uh, Susan Morgenstern, and we made cuts. And so we could fit in all this new Oscar Mm -hmm. brand material. And she was so surprised that I came in the first rehearsal with all these incredible cuts, it didn't matter that I love to sing the man that got away. I don't need to sing it anymore. It didn't matter that I need to sing my man with the big, you know, you know, ending. And it, 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 I'm thinking about how I can make cuts to make the show flow that will work. Not about making me look like, you know, I'm whatever. And, you know, I'm excited because I think it's going to be great. I do. I feel it. I know it. I know the, it. I know it. I know it. Like, I've enjoyed the journey and that's, that's what it. it's all about. Life is a journey.
1: Wonderful. Well, right. let's bring on I our next guest. I'm going to actually let you bring on the next guest. So pick a number one through three and everyone be ready uh, and we'll decide who's going to come on. And when you have to go, Barbara, just, you know, let me know and, uh, and I will take you off so you don't need to do anything.
3: And I also want to apologize because I'm not a, a lever ahead of timer, right. but L.A., I know Peggy knows this about LA traffic. And I have to go to East LA and I live in wet, above Westwood, at U C L A. Oh. Not so, easy. Well
1: Isn't we all I, understand. I guess, like so, that. Forgive me it's for leaving number, me. Number, okay. number one. Okay. I need you and Peggy to do uh, something with me. Okay. We're going to sing Hello, Dolly, but instead of Hello, Dolly, we're going to sing Hello, Bobby, okay? I got okay, it. Ready? Ready. One, two, three. Hello, hello
3: Bobby. Bobby. Well, well hello, hello. Bobby. Oh, I'll be right hello. back. It's so nice hello. to have you here where you belong. <laughs> You're looking, here. You're looking Bobby. swell, Bobby. You can tell Bobby, go, Barbara, go and give them more than my
1: song.
4: Uh,
1: So, Bobby, how do I get my own cutout?
0: (laughs) Big bucks, baby, big.
4: (laughs) No, they had this.
0: No, in the lobby of when we did the show, we had two different venues: five hundred seat house, gorgeous sets, costumes, and they had this. I, I said, "Can we do something that's not just here? Have some cookies and let's go see a show." I said, "Can you can you help me find a way to help the community?" And they certainly wanted to do that. So they had this. Bo- Sorry, ugh, I can do it. Bobby in the lobby. You can take pictures with me, and then you can also donate to um, to the women that need help to get out of where they're going. So um, dress for success. They also did a box where you can collect. Uh, And give things for the migrant workers who are in (laughs) super hot heat and picking the, anyway, buying uh, visors and sunglasses and lip gloss for them. Put them in the box to donate to them. So it was this wonderful group of people that you come to the theater, you give back to the community, you take a picture with Bobby in the lobby, and you go see Dolly. You know, that is, to me, that's what theater is about. Yeah. That's the true message
1: of theater yeah. of giving back to the community. And you know, well, and thank God for your theater company that did this. Um, Bobby, you have such an eclectic career. Yeah. You know, I'm thrilled to have you back. And uh and I become a man of yours from a distance. Um, and we're gonna meet someday. I know we are, it's gonna happen. Uh, but uh th- that's my agent calling now. Hey, uh, <laughs> So, um, so Bobby, um, out of you were telling me before uh, we went live uh, that uh, it's hard for you to let go of Dolly right now, uh, and it's hard, I'm sure, for her to let go of you. <coughs> what was it about this particular show that just got into your heels so deeply?
0: Um, mm. This is a woman who has been through depression. She's lost the love of her life, the man who saw her for who she was and helped her to be all that she was. But she continues to live her life through a compassionate way by bringing joy to others, by helping others. She was living hand to mouth. She was poor. She she sold all her gold trophies that they won at the Harmonia Gardens and dance and the dance competition so that she could survive. But she never, never once hurt anyone else never once she just sorry she chose joy every time and the fun thing about this production is the directors allowed me during previews it just came out of me I started improv with the audience because I wanted to connect them to the show so when we come out and I have this like 20 minutes I don't know if you've ever seen this Barbara or Peggy 20 minutes of just blathering at the audience, telling them who she, who I am. And um, the thing was, whenever the, the line was, uh, when we first have a direct address to the audience that says, um, my late husband, Ephraim I always said marriage is a bribe to make a housekeeper think she's a householder. When I said that line and the audience didn't respond, I'd go, wait for it. And they would just, they'd listen and they'd start to laugh and went, there you go. Now you got it. Or if they <laughs> left right away, or if there's some, we had a group of ladies one night who just had this groan after that line. They groaned. and went, ah, you've been there, have you? Stick with me, it'll be fine. So this improv connected me to the audience immediately and they were along for the ride. And I have not f- heard, and after 40 years of career in the theater, I have not heard the uproarious laughter, the loud applause, the giggles from the little nine-year-olds, just, so much response from the audience that made us feel connected and loving each other. There was a special night too that we had uh, especially for uh, folks with, that are not as abled or they're differently abled. and there was my one of my friends was in the audience and she texted me during the during a pre-show we're getting all ready. She goes, "There are so many people helping people in this house right now." Mm-hmm. she said, "I'm weeping right now." Just That's to help amazing. others to have a more comfortable seat. Can you see? Can you can you hear? That kind of stuff.
1: Well, I know this because I pretty much have devoted my life to Dolly. Oh, I know. Um, there are so many layers to this show, and so many people. Th- you think you know Dolly until you're sitting in the theater watching it. And my poor husband Danny has sat through more productions of Dolly than he would like to think about. <coughs> <laughs> because we've traveled all over the country to see it and uh he and I'm so sorry I missed your production. Uh but each time even he finds new things with the role. What surprised you the most about this role that you thought you knew about this show before you started doing it?
0: Her vulnerability. She's scared at one point and she's down. When she sees her old pal in act one of Mrs. Rose. mm mm-hmm. And the old, usually it's a throwaway scene, but not in our production because we actually did the script the way it should be. No, I'm sorry, I'm being a little judgmental, but every time I've that, seen that scene, makes me cry every time. Yeah, because she connects with a woman from her past, and when she when this woman, Mrs. Rose, says to her, "You haven't lived here for a long time." Live is the operative word in that, and I haven't been living. I've been surviving for 10 years. But when I see the young lovers that I bring together at the hat shop and they start to fall, I see them falling in love. It reminds me of what it was like to be in love. And I'm, and I see people dancing. I've started people dancing in the street. And I'm like, Oh my God, I miss that. And then when Mrs. Rose said, I haven't lived, that's when I lose it. And just Ephraim, let me go. I choose I choose, I have to step back into life. So that bridge into getting into before that parade passes by, every night was different for me.
1: Well, night, that's you know, cool. hard. So, Bobby, I'd like you to pick a number one through three, and then we're going to bring on our next guest. <laughs> and yours is what do you need to know to make the decision that you've been putting off?
0: That I'll be safe.
1: Wow. Quick answer wow i love that
0: i do well, a lot of many things quick i do a lot of things quick and i just go with my gut so
1: well both of our next guests are experts on this subject and i'm thrilled we're going to change pace for a little bit uh but i'd like you to uh, pick a number one or two and we'll bring on our next guest one and that is april and i am telling you all you have to get april's book write this down It's called Magic Blue Rocks, The Secret to Doing Anything. And April, I know the story about the Magic Blue Rocks. But if you will tell everyone, and welcome to the show, first of all, about where those Magic Blue Rocks began for you.
4: Absolutely. So, first of all, I am in awe of you ladies. And as I told Richard, I'm not sure why I'm here, but I'm honored to be. I know you. why you're here. <laughs> so, Magic Blue Rocks is possibly the worst book name ever, but it really resonated with me, which I wouldn't recommend for your title. I would recommend what would resonate with your audience. But when I was six years old, a classmate let me know that I was poor. And up until that point, I had lived in that wonderful place that children live where they really don't notice things like that, right? And when he shared it with me, I had a very visceral reaction thinking, oh my gosh, this! I can't be this and such shame and really felt that it must be up to me to fix it. Because if my mom, who was a a single mother, could fix being poor, she would have done it already. So I decided to lean into my first mentor who happened to be someone on television, his name was George Jefferson, and he was on the Jeffersons and he had moved on up and he was poor and he figured out that having businesses would help him to have the life that he wanted. So I decided to start a business and I couldn't find anything to sell. And I was limited by the fact that I was six, I didn't have a bike, (laughs) I couldn't get a job. So I decided that I needed something to sell that I could part with. And I saw the gravel rocks in our driveway in our home. And I thought, if I color those rocks blue with the one marker I was able to find in my search in the house of things to sell, I could make them magic. Because I could sell them to people and then they would be able to do anything they believed they could do. And at that age, you know, when you're six, you kind of still believe in magic. And I could do anything I believed I could do. When adults told me I couldn't do things, I could prove them wrong, so I thought I can give these to kids and sell them. And I wasn't going to sell them to adults because I felt like adults really didn't get it, that magic does still exist. So I took them to school and sold them to my entire class. It was an extremely successful first-day venture, but it got shut down because the kids used their lunch money to buy the rocks. Mm. So. Learned a very valuable lesson about belief and about sales and really had an exceptional experience when my mom shared with me that money, it you know, money isn't who you are. It's just something that you have. But I learned a very important mindset lesson from her because the strongest woman I knew when she was explaining that to me started to cry. And I realized that when she focused on the fact that she thought I could do anything, she was happy, and her eyes shone. So from that point forward, that's what I decided to focus on—not the scary things, not the hard things, but the things that made you believe you could do anything.
1: Incredible, just, it's just an incredible story. I, you know, I went back and I started reading. I, you were on the uh, my show two years ago. It's hard to believe. And I went back and I reread the book and something jumped out at me last night. I was uh, watching the news here and here in New York, it's probably national news, but we're dealing with a huge uh, migrant situation right now in New York. And our governor said something yesterday that really hit me like, between the eyes, and she said, taking people and putting them in hotels in the middle of nowhere doesn't fix the problem because they are not told they they're not getting jobs they're not uh, getting the skills that they need to be here in New York, and we think it's a little band aid that we put on things and it's going to make things better and it's important that it's happening. I'm not taking that away, but. It's what goes with that. So in addition to painting these blue rocks and selling them until uh, you were cracked down on, um, what did you learn about instilling in the minds of people that the rocks were more magical than they thought they were?
4: You know, it's interesting when you talk about folks, and I've had lots of conversations because of my background, because I came from such poverty, you know, what can we do to help people? What can we help folks with that don't have all that we all have? Mm -hmm. And I have a different viewpoint from other people, I think, having experienced it, because I didn't need as much the things that were given or the money that was given or the assistance that comes along with being in that situation. What I needed was inspiration. What I needed was to see someone there's it's not a coincidence that George Jefferson, who, although he was a fictional character, here's my tie in to all you ladies, because that actor changed my life because he grew up in the ghetto and he was able to find inspiration and build something for himself and become something greater. And it was that inspiration and that belief that made me know that I could do it too, even though everyone who surrounded me said, people like us don't do that. We don't go to college. We don't go and produce (laughs) on television, all the things that I wanted to do. And that belief that I was putting in that rock, it allows people to borrow your belief. George allowed me to borrow his belief so that I could see that it could be done for me. I think in many of these cases, people need belief and inspiration far more than anything else, because that's lasting. A hotel room improves your situation for a day or a week, but belief in inspiration allows you to see how you can carve out the life for yourself that you want and deserve.
1: Absolutely. Um, we're going to bring our next guest, who's waited so patiently in the wings, uh, but uh, you've got, there are two questions left, one or two. I'll take one. And your question is... Um, well, it's a statement. It's, it's, it's explore a path to mentoring, particularly in a space or subject where you have a special skill. You already do that.
4: Yeah, done. I'm, I'm for it.
1: You're, you're for it. Um, what got you to that point of, I mean, with everything that you've gone through and everything to take it a step further? It's one thing to say, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. It's a whole different ball of wax, as uh, Dolly Levi teaches us, to spread it around, encouraging young things to grow, which is exactly what you do.
4: It's easy for me to answer this question. My lifelong mentor just passed this past February, Sue Harper, who I called Aunt Sue. She was someone who took an interest in me when I was nine years old. And what was just a Tuesday for her, I found out later, right, she was just being life changing to me. But that's how she acted each and every day towards the people she interacted with, made me realize that there is no problem in the world that we can't answer by saying, how can I help? And that being generous and pouring into people with our time and our resources is always the right thing to do. So I was honored to carry on that legacy because I was so grateful for what it did for me.
1: I'm going to bring on our next guest so she's not uh, waiting anymore. But before she even speaks, I'm going to read something to all of you. Uh, I love this book. It's called Truth. But it's Taking Responsibility Unleashes True Healing. And each morning, this has become a part of my morning ritual, I read a passage from her books. And uh, I want to read what I read this morning. And it says, spend time with people whose presence you find pleasant and we certainly have done that today. When you spend time drawn to entertaining and engaging individuals, you will respond with overtures of friendship. Your sense of fatigue and stress will simply melt away, being replaced with energetic feelings of well-being. This enthusiasm from others is contagious and can spread through you to all you meet. Hold into this sense of excitement as you go through your day. Today, spend some time with people whom you find pleasant to be around enjoy the day. And Mary Ellen, I enjoy every day with you, and I'm thrilled that you're here.
5: Oh, thank you thank so much. Thank such a blessing. I'm so grateful to be here with all these talented, wonderful, beautiful ladies. I mean, I'm just totally, totally blessed. I want everybody to know that.
1: So I'm going to put you on the uh, hot seat for a moment because... Okay been listening to everybody, you are such an expert in finding the positive in everything that we're all going through. And uh, you know your story is amazing as well. Uh, your childhood uh, you know, uh, very similar, you know, to April's, and, uh, and how you came through adversity and really made what I consider a bed of roses for yourself. Having listened to everyone today. Mm -hmm. Tie it into a nice big bow for everyone who's watching.
5: Well, everyone that has spoken, and I'm sure will speak the rest of the podcast, is speaking about inspiring and positivity. And these are the truths that our society needs. And we all know that this is what our society needs now more than ever. So, I mean, I write a truth of the day every day and truth you know, our society uses the word truth incorrectly. When I'm, They usually use truth as a fact or an opinion. And that's not what I'm writing about. I'm writing a, a, the truth that I'm stating is like, or what God states to me is a truth that will never change. A truth you can use any day of your life, no matter where you are to get through your day. Like what you focus on expands, what you think about happens. If you think of the play, Hello Dalek, what did she focus on? She focused on joy, of course. So she got more joy into her life. You know, April, when she focused on, okay, how can I make some money? That idea comes to you. Whatever you're doing, and it's so important to focus on what you want. If you want to change your life, change your thoughts. And create the thoughts you want in your life. And work, do the work to make those thoughts true.
1: Wonderful, and uh, you, I mean, and it's true. She does this uh, uh, Truth of the Day every day. Uh, she posts them on one of my pages on Facebook, which I'm thrilled about. Because uh, I don't have to always go looking for it. It's right there for me to see. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. Um, Mary Ellen, how did your Truth of the Day begin for you? Well, uh,
5: God, <laughs> it started with God, I mean, truly. I knew I always wanted to write a book. Okay. I'd been diagnosed with epilepsy when I was six and multiple sclerosis in 1989. And I taught middle school for 15 years, seventh or eighth grade. So I retired from that. And I knew I wanted to write a book and I thought it was going to be about education. Well, God started telling me these truths like on awareness or fear or love or unconditional love or faith and awareness. And I'm like, No, I don't want to write about those. Pick somebody else, they're not going to listen to me. Look at me, I got glow in the dark blonde hair, I got long fingernails. They are absolutely not going to listen to me. And God comes back and He goes, Why do you think I put you through everything you went through in your life? And I'm like, Now you tell me, thanks a lot. I would have liked to have known in the beginning because you know, when I was diagnosed with epilepsy, the year was 1958. And it was actually against the law to marry or have kids. So I was, even though I was in first grade, my mother would tell me every day, well, you can't get married, you can't have kids. Well, my, my second husband and my daughters climbed five of the seven summits in the world. So, you know, we kind of
1: broke that move. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but, you know, and, you know, laughter is such a, like what we're doing right now, laughter is so healing. And we got to teach people to laugh. <coughs> and, to and if you don't like what, what someone else's opinion is, that's okay. You can still like that person. You know, you don't have to agree with everybody. And we're just being taught right now. We, and even when I was growing up, we were taught so many what I call erroneous societal teachings. Teachings that were incorrect. And it's like my, my mother wasn't trying to teach me incorrectly. That was the law at the time. Yet I thought she, was, she didn't like me. She didn't love me because she always told me I was an accident. So I'm like, well, but I went to college and graduated, became a teacher, married my first husband. And it took me six hours to tell him I had epilepsy because I just thought he'd leave. No. But, you know, you go through all these things on your journey, like we've been talking about, our life journey. And anytime you're going through a hard path on your life journey, that is what you need to be grateful for. I was, I went on, I was on a podcast probably about a week ago or two weeks ago, and the guy was going, what well, guy you have, epilepsy and MS, and you've had Guillain-Barre. And, you know. and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he goes, don't you consider yourself he said victim or something like that and i said no wait a minute these are blessings i have been blessed with those in my life because since i went through those i can look what i can now teach people look what i can now give to society i just have to find people that want it
1: that's great That's great. uh mary ellen uh, there's one question left and it's yours uh just by the process of elimination the question is it says choose a new habit and take it on for the next 30 days you strike me as someone who very easily takes on new habits um mm-hmm. am i correct on that and uh mm-hmm. and when you take on a new habit uh because it's all about mindset when you mm-hmm. change your mindset um what is the easiest thing for you even at this point And what is the most difficult thing that you still find that you face uh, even with all that you've learned along the way?
5: Well, I'm still a work in progress. You know, like even though I went, I studied at the Atlanta Awareness Center and I studied all these truths and everything. I write about them every day. The teacher teaches what they need to learn. So I am still, even though I've written these and I know what they are, I find myself going, (laughs) Why am I doing that? You know, because if you're seeing it, if you're hearing it, and if you're feeling it, then you're the person that has the issue, not the other person. So, you know, I am still a work in progress. We are. <laughs> I will be a work in
3: progress forever.
1: <laughs> right.
3: Unfortunately, I gotta leave you, but I am
1: so letting you know everything goes in the next week.
3: I, I'm so glad I met Mary Ellen and April and Bobby and and Peggy, and of course, Richard, I love you and adore you. And we're here because it's the right place to be at the right moment. Goodbye, everyone. Please forgive me Thank for leaving. You. Good Thank luck you. with your
1: Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. you.
3: Bye-bye. Bye.
1: So I'm going to have a little uh, fun, I hope, with all of you um, talking about creativity and positivity. And I'm going to start with you, Peggy. And I want to go back to the beginning of your career. And when you first embarked on your career, what was the most challenging thing that you felt that you faced?
2: And what got you through it? Well, I was very concerned because I really came into it quite accidentally. It was a wonderful Amateur theater co- company in New York, the the oldest theater uh, amateur theater company in all of uh, all of the, the the nation, and they did all the Irish classics, and I was very interested in that. I, I taught English uh, literature um, to a very demanding audience um, in New York City's high schools, and later in uh, at Hunter for a brief period as an adjunct professor, but. Uh, when I started, um, I, I ask the question again so I can hear, make what sure. What was I'm, the most challenging
1: thing that you faced and what got you through it?
2: The challenge is feeling older and inexperienced. And as soon as I got thrown on that stage, which I had done once in high school because the nun said, you will do this, dear. <laughs> there was no question. Uh, there was no auditioning. She just said, this is what you will do in front of 500 students tomorrow. Not tomorrow, next week, mm-hmm. anyway. Um, I loved it. I knew I loved it. And teaching was my first real acting job. Yeah. I've played five times daily mm-hmm. to a free demanding audience out of Rikers Island and Juvenile Hall mm-hmm. and um, drug programs, etc. And I learned as much as I taught. And while I was doing that at night, I was doing the Irish theater. I did about 60 plays in New York. That's where I learned theater. i never majored in acting. I took classes with different people. Uh, Jean Frankel was one. Michael Moriarty was another. Um, uh, Joan Renfield, I think her last name was. Um, It was a wonderful experience. I think what you overcome is that feeling that um, you won't be noticeable. And I never had that problem. And... uh, once I got into it, I was 25 years a teacher and I did about 60 plays. At one point, I somebody called and said, we're going to do uh, Ibsen's play about Nora and we need an Aunt Tessman, are you interested? And I said, I got it was a you know, on your uh, machine, because we didn't have phones at that point, cells. So I uh, called back and said, yes, when is the, re- the audition? And they called back and said, fuck the audition, we know what you can do. You <laughs> do it, and I have free from this state to this state, and I realized I had made it on that level wow. then, and justin I did about fifty plays in New York until the Woody Allen thing came along, and that was of course, my chance to realize if I left teaching i wouldn 't starve to death i 'd get a few other jobs
4: mm-hmm. and
2: i 've done about somebody said to me my God, you know, 've had about. 60 things. Not, the commercials, of course, make the money. But the other parts were all wonderful, small roles. Up with Woody Allen, with uh, other people. I've met some wonderful people in this this world. So it's always been a joy. I don't know if I answered your question, but I certainly talked no, about No, you it. certainly have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, you know, I, my dear friend Kasira McKee uh, has
1: written a book <laughs> called Let That Go. And uh, in uh, Hello Dolly, of course, uh, Dolly is asking uh, for Ephraim to let go. Bobby, what is it about you and letting go? Because you also have a movie that's coming out on September ninth, and uh, I'm going to put this on the screen here. Tell us a little bit about this project that you uh, that you also have coming up.
0: It's just a it's a short that was created, written here, and uh, filmed it yet last year, and I play just a part of a side part. Of a, the woman character is someone who is not able to let go of someone in their life and they are as we see the film we realize how it's keeping her back so i just i'm i'm a, I'm a side part in that but i love that idea of letting go how we get in our own way mm-hmm. because, we, if, because we let go i said when you asked that question before mm-hmm. i said my first answer was that i feel that i'll be safe So I think I've got some issues i got to deal with and that I'm thinking about keeping safe instead of living fully.
1: Now, how can the rest of us see it who are not going to be able to be there for the film festival? Will it eventually be shown uh, on streaming services?
0: It's only about a 15-minute film, so I don't know where those get shown. Sorry. Okay. Um, There is a Facebook page for it's called The Deadline. There are other movies called The Deadline. But I'm not in the one with Melissa McCarthy. so.
1: Well, please, you know, please send me the link for that. Anybody send me any links that of anything we've gone over today so that I can get them on the YouTube channel. Um, so, April, how would you describe your experience and your life experience since your book came out?
4: You know, I think I would describe it similarly to the way that Mary Ellen described it and also at something that Barbara said earlier, a work in progress. And also, I have finally at this point in my life, and I jokingly said, I'm not planning to necessarily live till 90. So I'm glad I got it at the halfway point, but now I have to go to 90 to enjoy the journey. Mm -hmm. So that is what has changed because so much of my life was I'll be happy when." For so long, when I get this, when I do this, when I have have done, have achieved Mm -hmm. things. And at some point over the last two years, it's dawned on me that it's actually the getting to that is the happiest part. And you can choose to be happy right now. And then those things will be even better than they would have been. But if you don't, they're never going to be what you thought they would. Mm -hmm.
1: I love that. So, Mary Ellen, again, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Uh, I, I want an exclusive. What is our truth of the day tomorrow?
5: Oh gosh, I'd have to look it up. You think I remember these things? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a Saturday. Hold on a minute. Wait a second. Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't have it here.
1: That, that's Actually, okay. I, about, uh,
5: well, I really think it's about controlling your thoughts because on the weekend, I usually, I don't write it. I so much put a picture with a thought because People need to control their thoughts. You know, you think that these thoughts just fly in your your mind, and they don't. You choose your thoughts. Okay, thoughts actually have measurable particles of electricity in them. People have measured them, and that is why what you when you think what what you think about happens because you're thinking all this time. If you want to worry, you can worry if you want to, but you know, why would you, what good does it do you? You know, it's just, we are taught April says something. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, that's one of those erroneous. Oh, I know what it was, April. I was going to say that, you know, if you're not happy now without it, you'll never be happy with it. That's right. And it's so true. And people, I have a lot of clients that have gone through divorces or want to find that perfect relationship. And I say, well, what characteristics do you want in the other person? You become the characteristics you want. You become them in yourself. And that person will be there for you because your relationship is a mirror for you.
1: Perfect. Perfect. Now I want to wrap up the week on a positive note. So I'm going to start with you, Peggy. I'd like you first of all, uh, it's a two-parter uh, to number one tell us who or what you're celebrating today. Uh, and number two, uh, a book, a movie, uh, a show, anything that you saw in the last uh, six days uh, that you would like everyone else to experience as well. So a two-parter.
2: Okay. Um Right now, I'm celebrating all of you and this particular moment. I'm mm-hmm. trying to learn to live in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, Something you taught as a young actress and you yeah. say, mm, 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 and it works on stage, but it doesn't necessarily go any further. <laughs> um, that's the other thing. I have seen something I'm so proud of. Two mm-hmm. Irish movies uh, that my parents were Irish immigrants. I'm from New York, but they are from Ireland. One of them is called The Quiet Girl. You must see this movie. It's a bit of a tearjerker, but in the finest sense of that. You must see this. The other one is called The Miracle Club. And The Miracle Club is wonderful. First of all, it has Maggie Smith, uh, Kathy Bates, and uh, Laura Linney in it. And what I was afraid was going to turn into either ridiculing the Catholic Church or worse, I didn't know what it was going to do. It is beautiful. And of course, Maggie Smith could read the telephone book that's and right. make it wild. But it is, they are the two movies you must see. Theater, see anything that's live. It's a creation right in front of your eyes.
1: Okay? Amen. Uh, Bobby, uh, same thing.
0: Peggy, ditto. Um, uh, yeah, okay. Celebrating, yes, this moment right now with all of us. I also am celebrating the gorgeous weather. We've had a heat wave here of 90, and now it's just 75. Um, <clears throat> and that I had air conditioning, I celebrated that. Um, I've been watching, well, no, I've been uh, after I have a day job in fundraising for a nonprofit theater. So it keeps me connected to my audience and to reality, and and then uh, I usually take as I'm trying to find my way back from playing Dolly and having that be the ninety percent of my life. I go out and I'm <laughs> I'm scavenging around in the I live on the in near forests and trees. Uh, a friend of mine is putting together these little acorn people. Oh, I love Michael it. Michael Bird B Y R D. His art and his photography is amazing. So I have been collecting. Me,
1: where is Michael Bird from? Earth. I don't know. No, but find out if he knows me because I knew a Michael Bird years ago that I've lost contact with, and it's funny that you mentioned that name.
0: Well, he's got his own art, his only website, and okay, little longer story. Sorry, ladies. Sorry. My uh, a good buddy from graduate school. When he found out I was doing Dolly, he flew out here to see me, but. Uh, we had to cancel because of COVID. Um, a third of our cast came down with COVID, but he still came. So we hung out together, and um, it was great to reconnect. And I told him, he said to me, you know, you live in the forest. Can you just collect some of these acorns and such? I have been having bliss moments, just <laughs> picking up the weirdest things on Earth. And I've. it's now in a box over there, ready to be shipped. Um, I'm shipping him, like, 20 pounds of Issaquah. <laughs> I love it. That's
1: that's it. what that's what it's about. It's those little moments. It made uh, me breathe easier. Okay, I'll shut up now. The blue rocks as well. Uh, April. Same question.
4: As far as celebrating, Richard, you'll you'll understand this because of earlier conversations we had. I am celebrating my dog, Cowboy. He is almost 15 years old and he just went through a health scare. And he is probably my number one teacher of enjoying the moment and appreciating things for what they are so definitely celebrating that he's doing much better as far as a book one of my favorite books and this goes along with a lot of what mary ellen is saying is called the science of getting rich by wallace d waddles and it is the best book i've ever read on manifesting the things in your Mm -hmm. life not just money but really how to live richly all across the board and i have
1: that book Mm -hmm. it's a great book Mm -hmm. Uh, mary ellen
5: well, I am celebrating, like everyone else, being here, being so blessed and being grateful for being here in this now moment with all of you guys. And I'm celebrating, I get to see my daughter next week who lives in Billings, Montana. I'm a flight from Tennessee to Montana to spend a few days there. And as far as a movie or a book, of course, I have two others you guys can get. But <laughs> my husband and I saw Sound of Freedom with uh, Jim Cassell. I hope I said his name correctly. And what a movie. What a movie. I mean, bring some tissues because the depiction of human trafficking is such... We have to bring awareness to this. It's got to stop, especially with children.
1: Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, I... I am blessed to have all of you in my life and uh, don't go anywhere because each of you are going to get a chance to have your final word today. It could be about anything that we spoke about that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message you want to leave with everyone who's watching today. Uh, And uh, when I finish, I will pick someone, and then you will pick the next person, and so on. And the last person standing, all you have to do is say goodbye, and the final credits will roll so you don't have to worry about, how do I end this thing? So I will... I will take, uh, I'm take. i the man behind the curtain. I will take care of all of that. Um, I also wanna thank every single person who took the time to spend an hour with us today. Um, I can speak for uh, whether you are an actress or an actor or an author, any of you out there who take the time to spend time with us, we do not take it lightly. So I wanna say thank you for showing up today. Uh, if you enjoyed today's show, please leave a comment on YouTube and please share this with your friends. Uh, that helps to build the ranking uh, with the video and we'll keep moving this up so that more and more people will see it. Um, I end every show uh, and I'm what I'm going to ask my audience, I'm asking all of my guests on the show to do this same thing today. Uh, go to your Facebook friends list and go to the third name that pops up and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, a phone call. And let that person know that they have made an impact on your life. On some level, everybody has. Uh, and by doing so, you're truly gonna make an impact on their life. I have a dear friend, he says, we're all in this together, but we're, in, uh, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different sized boats. And I always say, I don't care what size boat you're on as long as you have a skipper by your side. And with that, I'm going to leave the screen and April, I'm turning it over to you. And when you finish, you will pick the next person. Thank you, everyone, and I'll see you next time. Goodbye.
4: Thanks, Richard. So the one thing I would like to leave people with is the knowledge that anything that occurs to you that you want to do, anything that you think, oh, maybe I can. Oh, I'd love to. I'm just not sure. I'm here to tell you, you absolutely can, because things that you can't do don't occur to you. And anything that occurs to you is 100 percent possible for you. Mm -hmm. Bobby, Oh, I'm going to read one of my favorite poems.
2: Uh,
0: God speaks to each of us as he makes us and walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. You set out beyond your recall. Go to the limits of your longing. Embody me, flare up like a flame and make big shadows that I can move in. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You'll know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. Mary Ellen?
5: Okay, thank you. I'm going to leave everybody with what I call the glad technique. You're going through a day and all of a sudden you get anxiety, you get stressed, you get worried. Stop and do the glad technique. Now, G stands for be grateful for something, just be grateful. L stands for learn. What have you learned that day about yourself, about anything? A stands for accomplish. Stop and accomplish something. Help someone else. Inspire someone else. And D stands for delighted. Look around you at our beautiful world and be delighted about something. And I bless everyone listening. Thank you so much. I'm Ask Mary Ellen, and I'm turning it over to
2: Peggy. Hi, and I'm going to kind of follow up on what was just said. Have an attitude of gratitude. That's the most important thing. And you know what? Make sure you say thank you to someone, whether they've held a door for you or they've opened a whole new channel in your life. Make sure you are thankful for them and also to whatever you consider that power that is beyond us. I call her God, but you may call her Buddha or um, Yahweh, or Mohammed, or whatever name you may use, that recognition of a power beyond ourselves. And the other thing is, keep on keeping on.
0: Happy Friday.